like these are to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cutback. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. Joint practices are on the horizon, everyone. 49ers football is almost here. Joint practices with the Raiders are happening. And then we're going to have preseason football on Sunday. 49ers versus Las Vegas Raiders. With that comes a lot of decisions for the coaching staff of the San Francisco 49ers. And we've heard Coach Steve Wilkes and Kyle Shanahan kind of address this a little bit during their pressers is this is when position battles really kick into gear. You get an idea during training camp if guys came in prepared, uh, their body, uh, mentally understanding the playbook, understanding their role within this football team. Do you gauge whether they're even willing to participate in these battles? Then they go out and practice, and they at least get your attention and make you know that, hey, these guys are on our radar as potentially coming in and competing for a roster spot. And then you say, hey, maybe they're competing with a certain player to not just make the roster, uh, but to get significant time. So you kind of get an idea during training camp about these position battles. Some of the position battles that we talked about leading up to training camp materialized, and they have been uh, going at it during practices, and I'm sure the coaches have been monitoring the progress with others. Uh, some of them just never materialized. Either one player hasn't lived up to expectations or maybe wasn't even out on the football field, and then maybe some other ones have materialized where a player has come on the scene and illustrated that, hey, he's ready to compete right now. And I think this is one of those fun conversations to have because now they're going to be going and playing the Raiders. And when they get out there and play the Raiders, they're going to be playing against players that are very talented. So they're they're going to get to kind of see where they are Uh, In the pecking order, you're not so much competing with a teammate, uh, you're competing with another team. So even though these position battles are going to be on display, it's it's a little bit different because you're going into more natural football settings. And for some of these guys, it's extremely important. When it gets to August 29th and the 49ers make final cuts, the players have to make sure they're on this 53-man roster. If you're not... Uh, you're back to square one. You're either landing on a practice squad or potentially another team, or in some cases, you're not on a roster at all, and you're working out, and you're hoping you're going to get an opportunity. So it's a big time for these football players. They're going to go out there and compete, and now it's getting to the real deal time where you go out there and you have to uh, figure out exactly where you are in the pecking order, and this is where some guys will start to get distance from others and where some guys will start to catch others. I want to go through some of these position battles, talk about whether they materialized or not, and then just give an idea of, hey, this is something to monitor during joint practices. Of course, we'll get reports out of joint practice, what happened. We won't get to visualize it as much as I would love for it to be available. It just won't. And then we'll see what happens when we get into the preseason games because most of these battles are not going to be for starting jobs with the 49ers being so talented uh, with their 22 starters on both offense and defense. It'll come down to you know guys who are making the roster as depth pieces. But we'll get to see those display out on the field during the preseason. But it has to start at the quarterback position with Trey versus Sam Darnold. 
Uh, Trey Lance and Sam Darnold, this is definitely to be determined. The way that Kyle Shanahan has handled it in practice has made it appear that these guys are on pretty equal footing, equal reps, equal opportunities with the second team, pretty close to equal opportunities with the first team as well. And we've seen both of them have pretty good training camps. I felt like overall early on, uh, Sam Darnold was the model of consistency, and he felt like he had maybe a little upper hand on Trey just for the mere fact that he was consistent hitting his first read and getting the ball out. But I felt as training camp went along that Trey Lance was the one who was the more consistent of the two. Darnold had a couple of days here and there where he was unable to stack really good days, and Trey Lance didn't. Trey Lance had good days. So I think this is a battle that's going to be fun to watch. Let's see how Kyle Shanahan uh, gives these reps and joint practices versus the Raiders when now all of a sudden you're getting rushed uh, by a guy like maybe Max Crosby uh, that'll get after you and talk a little trash while he's at it. Uh, but they also have other guys like Chandler Jones as well. Uh, so it's going to be fun to watch. This offensive line is going to be put to the test. Or we're going to get to see how these quarterbacks operate. The good news is when we get to preseason game number one, Trey Lance and Sam Darnold are going to get a significant amount of reps. And we're going to get a really good idea of how they're progressing in this offense and what it looks like when it's not going against the 49ers defense, a defense that already understands everything you do and how you do it, and they know what your strengths and weaknesses are. Now, of course, opposing defenses are going to have a pretty good idea of what your strengths and defenses are, our strengths and weaknesses are. But now you have Kyle Shannon in your corner and your teammates in your corner. Uh, so I am very curious how these two play out. And this is a position battle that is going to be determined during the preseason. Definitely will not be determined you know, by what happened at training camp. It doesn't matter now. You have to go produce on the field. I think both these guys have done well enough that it's more equal footing. At the running back position, uh, Ty Davis-Price has come into training camp and absolutely lit it up. And the training camp battle thought coming in was TDP proving that he was better than undrafted free agents Ronald Awat and Kalen Laburn. Well, Awat is, been, is gone now. The 49ers brought in Jeremy McNichol, so that's not a battle there. Uh, and then Kalen Laburn has definitely not done enough uh, to overtake Ty Davis-Price or any of the other 49ers running backs. I think it will be nice to see Kalen Laburn uh, getting these carries in practices, getting these carries in the preseason, but I don't think it's where TDP or Jordan Mason or any of the other 49ers running backs are at a real risk. I think the position battle has now changed with the amount of work that Ty Davis-Price has put in from him versus undrafted free agents to him potentially trying to catch Jordan Mason at getting some of that running back three opportunities because the, the likelihood of playing in games is all about being the third running back. Uh, the 49ers will keep four running backs, and that's halfbacks, on their active 53-man roster, but only three normally suit up on game day. And the third guy has to be able to not only carry the football, catch the football, but also be significant on special teams. And Jordan Mason edged out TDP in that category last year. I think it was more of a foregone conclusion that Jordan Mason was going to be running back three, with a lot of people believing he was going to be running back two. And I think as long as Elijah Mitchell's healthy, there's now a actual battle for running back three. I think Jordan Mason has looked good. Uh, he'll look even better, not in these practices against the Raiders where it's considered a thud, which you have contact, but you don't take players to the ground. But more so when we get into the preseason games, 
where you can actually see defenders have to try to bring these guys down. And Jordan Mason's biggest strength is that he's not easy to bring down. But this is going to be a fun one to watch. PDP has definitely put himself in a place where now he can co compete. Uh, but I still think Jordan Mason has the heads up right now, even though TDP had one of the best training camps uh, that I've seen in a while, especially from running back. It was really exciting. So uh, that is a battle that we're going to have to watch. Another one that didn't materialize on the offense was Jake Brendel versus John Feliciano. It ended up not being a battle at all because uh, Brendel has done such a good job. Feliciano has been taking reps at the guard spots. In the secondary, Ambry Thomas, uh, the thought was Ambry Thomas versus fifth-round pick Daryl Luter Jr. This one didn't materialize either because Luter Jr. hasn't been out there for training camp at all. So Ambry Thomas, you would think, would have no competition. No, he does. He has competition from uh, undrafted free agent Deshaun Jameson, and Deshaun Jameson has impressed everyone that has laid eyes on him at training camp. His quickness to get in and out of his break uh, has been fantastic. He drives on footballs really well. His patience is something I wasn't expecting. Watching his film at Texas, I saw a player that was a very boomer bust. He would either make a big play or he could potentially get beat for a big play. Well, we've seen more consistency from Deshaun Jameson, and he really is a capable cornerback, and he's going to press for one of these positions. We'll see if Luter Jr. comes back at some point uh, during the preseason. If he doesn't, Deshaun Jameson has a real angle to make this football team, uh, but one of the ways he might have to do it is by beating out Ambry Thomas. We'll see how that plays out. But right now, I think, you know, Deshaun Jameson's someone to watch because he's a legitimate, you know, uh, threat to make this roster. So if you're a cornerback, you got to go out there and compete at a high level. Jameson looking like he's on the right path to potentially make the 49ers a 53-man roster. And, you know, that's what you always need. The, the likelihood of undrafted free agents making 49ers 53-man roster in 2023, it wasn't good. And uh, now we have a guy who actually has a legit capable, uh, you know, capability of making this 49ers roster. So Deshaun Jameson is going to be somebody everyone's going to want to keep an eye on. And they're probably going to keep a good eye on Ambry Thomas as well because he has improved over last season. He's looked more physical. He's definitely looked more confident. And he's playing at a higher level. So let's see what happens uh, during the preseason games. But Deshaun Jameson and Ambry Thomas are two guys who completely watch. Uh, Miles Hartsfeld versus George Odom. And Odom did what I think everyone was kind of expecting. And he has taken uh, this position by storm. He's not looking like he's going to give anything away. In fact, he's been the third safety end in most categories. So Jair Brown hasn't really been able to overtake George Odom yet on the depth chart. And I think that's a signal to not only how good the safety room is, but how good George Odom has been during training camp. I thought he's done a very good job. We already know about his special teams prowess. So this one really didn't materialize. Miles Hartsfeld, even though he was an extension of Steve Wilkes on the field, helping get his philosophy you know, out to these secondary players, he just never has really done anything during training camp so far to make this a position battle. Can he show up in these joint practices and preseason and push the envelope and maybe put some pressure on Odom? It is a possibility, but it's going to have to be a huge jump for him to be able to do that. So to me, George Odom looks pretty comfortable 
And this isn't really a position where I feel Hartsfeld can make this roster. I think Hartsfeld's likelihood is 49ers practice squad in case there's an injury, then he can kind of step up into that role. But being a veteran in this league, he might look for an opportunity elsewhere and find a position either as a nickel corner at safety for another football team. Greg Jackson versus Cleveland Farrell. Uh, this one is a real competition. And I think Cleveland Farrell has surprised a lot of people. We know that if you've been on the channel for a while, you know I've been pretty high on Cleveland Farrell's abilities, and I did think he was going to press Drake Jackson, and Cleveland Farrell's abilities uh, to play the run has been significant. The way he sets the edge, uh, the balance at which he rushes the passer, it's been on display, and I felt like his technique has taken a step forward since working with Coach Chris Kacerik and Daryl Tapp. I feel like his hands are better. Uh, he's definitely playing into the offensive lineman's Chess played a little bit better, getting that long arm together and then kind of formulating his moves off of that. But we've seen a good balanced Cleveland Farrell. The fact that he's not having to think and process while he's rushing has definitely helped him. You see a more free-minded pass rusher, and I think that's really good for him. Now, I don't think it's where Drake Jackson hasn't showed up, because I do. I think Drake has showed up. He's looked far superior to what he did in his rookie season. He looks stronger. He looks faster. He's definitely more technically sound. And he's better against the run than even I expected he was going to be coming into a training camp. So Drake has done his job, and I feel like Cleveland Farrell's done his job. This is a real battle, and we're going to see these guys get real reps during joint practices, maybe some during the preseason as well, as the 49ers try to decide who's going to start opposite of Nick Bosa once Bosa returns from his contract negotiations. So uh, this is one that I'm really excited to see because both players are going to be uh, important to the 49ers' success in 2023, whether it's Cleveland Farrell starting and Drake Jackson coming in on obvious pass downs, or if Farrell is just the outright starter or Drake Jackson's the outright starter. Either way, it's important for the 49ers to have both of these guys playing at the highest level because we need production from the defensive ends opposite of Bosa. Samson Ebucom, Charles Amenehue last year, uh, five sacks for Ebucom, four and a half for Amenehue. You need to get at least that much production from Farrell and Drake Jackson, but really you would like to get even more than that and improve the position, especially with the fact that you have Davon Hargrave playing uh, next to you at defensive tackle. With this four group together, you got to think those one-on-one -on -one situations are must-wins for Jackson and Farrell. So this thing's going to play out. Very interested to see it. Can't wait to watch uh, these two go out and battle it out during the preseason. This one is a close call. I would say if we had to look at it right now, it's, it's even closer than a lot of people probably anticipated. But I think Farrell is on the scene, and he's going to make some people, you know, kind of take a second look and realize that he's a lot better than people were giving him credit for coming into training camp. At the wide receiver position, there's a couple of battles that are still ongoing. Now, the names might be different than what you know, maybe you were expecting. I did have Ronnie Bell and Danny Gray as a position battle to watch. That is still going on. I feel like Danny Gray has asserted himself as the 49ers' fifth wide receiver. He's definitely looked better in all categories. He doesn't get confused about where he's supposed to line up like he did last season. Uh, his routes are really crisp. He's been able to have a variety of different uh, catches in different areas. So he's catching the ball over the middle, catching the ball vertically. 
He's catching the ball to the outside. He's running the football in the backfield. To me, Danny Gray has looked like the player they were hoping they were getting last year. So all the hard work has paid off. All the extra hours of coaching, the extra hours of him studying the playbook. Danny Gray's doing a very good job. And I think that Ronnie Bell, I thought, came into camp a little bit slower than people were expecting. They thought Danny Gray was going to be, I'm sorry, that Ronnie Bell was going to be very good uh, catching the football and that you know he was going to be an easy target for the 49ers quarterbacks. But Ronnie Bell took a little bit of time to acclimate himself to the 49ers offense, which not surprising for a young rookie wide receiver. And that's the what we saw from him. You know, sometimes he lined up wrong. Debo and Brandon Ayuk and Danny Gray, and they're all helping him get lined up in the right spot. But the reason that it's a battle between these two is they primarily line up at the X. Uh, the X wide receiver spot is what Brandon Ayuk plays, and these guys are battling to be the backup X for the San Francisco 49ers. Of course, Ray Ray McLeod will be the actual backup, but the third string guy there. And we've seen Gray get some opportunities with the 49ers first team. So this one's still going to play out. Both guys add special teams ability. Danny Gray does it very much as a gunner, uh, and he can have return game as well. But Ronnie Bell is a returner that I know the 49ers feel comfortable and confident with. So he's a guy that gives you that ability if you need it. So this is a real battle at the wide receiver position, and I think it's going to play out during training camp. And I'm excited to see who ends up winning. And if the 49ers decide to keep five wide receivers or six wide receivers. Next up on the, the list is going to be another wide receiver battle, and that's Chris Conley versus Willie Sneed. And coming in, I know a lot of people were kind of talking about Conley because he has the 4-3 speed to go with a 6-3, uh, you know, 215-pound-plus body. And Conley's done nothing to disappoint. Uh, he's done a very good job. He's catching the football in the red zone. Yeah, he's been very good with his hands. Not too many drops. He's done a good job in that category. And he's been dangerous once he gets the ball in his hands. And that was one of the concerns going into camp was can Conley catch the football and not lose momentum and get going? Because his stop and start ability is not like Danny Gray. But if he catches the football on the move, boy, is he explosive. So Conley's done a very good job. And then at the end of camp, Willie Sneed started coming on. And with Sneed's ability to block, him and Conley are definitely battling it out. Both of them are really good blockers. Willie Sneed, a veteran who was with the 49ers organization last season, and he came up to the active roster and was pivotal in some of the 49ers' bigger plays, including blocking on Ray Ray McLeod's uh, reverse play that he scored a touchdown. So uh, definitely Willie Sneed is somebody to keep an eye on, and I think this battle is going to continue to play out during training camp. And I'm going to watch it because both also add special teams prowess. Willie Sneed, though, uh, would be a very secure backup to Ray Ray McLeod as a kick and punt returner. So we've seen Sneed end up on the practice squad and be elevated. Both these guys could potentially do that. And the only way either one of these guys make the roster is if the 49ers elect to keep six wide receivers. And even then, the sixth wide receiver might be Ronnie Bell. So it's going to be going to be a funny one to play out uh it's going to be very fun to watch as well so next up i want to go to the defensive line which has gotten definitely more interesting uh with ronnie i'm sorry with uh uh bill jr not not playing and not getting any practice time there's been some you know deciding hey what's going to happen 
uh, with Robert Beal Jr. And and where is he going to be on this roster? Will the 49ers elect to keep the fifth round pick anyways? I'm hoping at some point he's going to get out there and compete. Maybe he'll do it at the Raiders' uh, joint practices. Maybe he'll do it in preseason. But until then, there's some veterans that are absolutely battling it out to make this roster. And one of the most interesting battles has to be at the defensive end spot where you've got Kerry Hyder, who understands exactly what Coach Chris Kacerik wants and can also have the versatility to move inside at D-tackle if needed. And we've seen him have a big season in 2020 where he was called upon to be a starter for the 49ers all the way till last year where he was definitely a rotational piece the 49ers valued at a high level. But then you've got two guys that have come in. Austin Bryant, number one, who missed a little bit of training camp he was out there until day two, and then he missed all the way till uh, towards the end of the training camp practices 10 and 11 was kind of when he came back. And when he came back, he was showing that explosiveness that we've been expecting. And the 49ers have definitely been looking for speed rush elements off the outside. We've seen the success they had with D Ford. They went out and they got Drake Jackson in the draft. And now they've added players like Austin Bryant, Robert Beale Jr. So having that explosiveness off the edge is definitely something the 49ers are looking for. And they get it here with Austin Bryant. But he's got to be in competition with a guy like Kerry Hyder because Kerry Hyder is somebody Chris Kacerik feels comfortable and confident in. Now, with Alex Barrett being uh, one of those guys that's competing as well, uh, he's in the mix, but he's been a lifelong practice squad player. Has he made that ascension? Well, the one thing we know, if he has, it's a meritocracy. He will have the opportunity to go out there and produce. But the Fortinaires also brought in Taco Charlton. And Charlton has looked very good from the first practice I saw him at training camp. He was getting extra work with uh, you know the coaches, working on his hand technique, working on his technique, uh, playing on his edges, getting in the hoop drill. So he's done a very good job of acclimating to coach Chris Kacerik's defense. And he had a lot of success playing 3-4 outside linebacker in Miami and, and other stops. So Charlton makes sense for the 49ers because Coach Chris Kacerik likes to take 3-4 outside linebackers, D Ford, uh, you know, guys like that, Samson Ebicom, and then bring them in, put their hand in the ground, give them less responsibilities, make it so they don't have to go backwards, which Austin Bryant eloquently talked about during his presser this week is going forward, putting pressure on offensive linemen. So Bryant was also a 3-4 outside linebacker for a time in Detroit. So you've got a certain type of player the 49ers are looking to use. And I think this is going to be a huge battle between the three. And I honestly believe it's going to come down to who can execute the best and who Coach Chris Kacerik feels most comfortable being able to not just rush the passer, but play against the run. And all three do a pretty good job and a pretty stout in that department, but you've got to have guys that can replace some of the snaps you lost from guys like Jordan Willis. And this is a good way to do it with these three capable guys. It would have been a two player battle between Hyder and Jack and Bryant. And I think now it's a three player deal with Charlton. And I think Robert Beale jr. At some point is going to be added to the mix. Uh, but we'll see when that is over on the offensive side of the side of the ball. Uh, we got Matt Pryor versus Jalen Moore. I think this one got a little bit more complicated with Jalen Moore being injured with the bone bruise during training camp. But Moore was playing fantastic. I think post Chris Furster had to be very comfortable with Jalen Moore playing left tackle behind Trent Williams because 
Fred doesn't do a lot of 11 on 11 drills uh, when they're at training camp. He sits out a lot and that gives a lot of opportunity to Jalen Moore. And I thought Jalen Moore handled himself really good and not just in the pass game, but also uh, getting some movement in the run game as well. So he's athletic. He's big. He's definitely further along than he was over his first two seasons. I, I'm looking forward to Jalen Moore coming back. He has been suiting up, so maybe potentially we'll see him enjoying practices or at least at the preseason game against the Raiders. And it would be nice to see him go out there and go against some of the Raiders pass rushers. I think it would be good for him to go against Ch uh, Chandler Jones and just see where he's at or Max Crosby. Uh, with Matt Pryor, same thing. I thought early on in camp, Matt Pryor's feet looked a little slow when I was watching him. Uh, his pass protection, they were beating him around the outside pretty soon. He got his slide down, and he was able to get where he needed to get. In the run game, he does a good job. He's got over a 330-pound frame. But when he gets his big mitts on you, he's able to push you and move you out of the way, which opens up opportunities for the 40 yards in the run game. So uh, Pryor's formidable. But we've heard Chris Furster talk about the potential of Pryor getting some reps at left tackle. They said they had him focusing on right. So the question becomes, at what point during the squeeze of figuring out who your 53-man roster, do you decide if you're the 49ers that, hey, Coach Chris Furster, you have a decision to make. You want to have a swing tackle or do you want to have tackle on each side? Because the 49ers are going to have some decisions to make between tackle and and with guard, because you're going to keep John Feliciano on the inside. You Are you going to elect to keep a guy like Nick Zakel again, or are you going to keep two tackles? You know, If it comes down to the four years only keeping eight offensive linemen, it could be a very hard decision for them. So prior versus more is something to watch. I think Moore's athletic ability gives him a little bit of an advantage. His experience within the system gives him an advantage, but he's got to go out there and prove that he can consistently win these reps against very good football players. And the bone bruise kind of set him back. We'll see where he's at. And with Pryor, he's got to show everyone that athletically he's capable of running this offense at a high level. I think sometimes there's been question marks, even with Chris Furster saying that when he came into OTAs in minicamp, he maybe wasn't in the shape that they were expecting him to be. He did come into better shape at training camp, but now he's got to go show that his body's capable of handling playing it, you know, in this 49ers offense, play in and play out. It's going to be interesting to, to see what happens more, the experience with the Niners, but prior to the experience in the NFL, logging a lot of starting snaps as well. I mentioned Nick Sakel, and he's in a battle with Jason Poe to make this 49ers roster. And Coach Chris Furster talked about Zakel's ability to play left guard, right guard, and center, and now Poe getting snaps at center as well. So these guys are battling right now. Zakel is ahead. And if the 49ers elect to keep two interior backups on the offensive line, it will probably be Feliciano as one. But will it be Zakel or Poe? Uh, Poe is one of the strongest 49ers offensive linemen. Zakel is a bigger guy. Six foot six, got the length, got the size at nearly 330 pounds. He's a big dude. He moves pretty good. Uh, he's definitely gotten better through training camp. It was a rough start to his training camp. But once they got pads on, seeing Nick Zakel definitely kind of click that light and start making some plays. He's got development to do, but I think he's done a very good job of transforming his body. With Poe, my concern has been what it's always been, is his arms and whether he's able to make the blocks that he needs to make. 
Coach Chris Furster said in his last press conference that, you know, that was one of his concerns with Poe. He says he's just on the brink of having long enough arms to make the blocks at guard, and he does better at center as far as, like, he fits the mold of a center in the NFL and the amount of arm length that you need. So I think that this is a tough one for Jason Poe. He's a good player. He's improved from last year, but so is Akel. So this one's going to be interesting to watch how it progresses. I don't think this one it will be decided until we get through the preseason, and then we'll have a really good idea. And even these guys might be in trouble if they don't play up to the level that they're supposed to because the four years could elect to just keep John Feliciano and then keep Jalen Moore and Matt Pryor if they felt those two guys gave them more value than these guys on the inside. So they're going to have to play well, and they're going to have to illustrate they deserve to be on this team. Uh, Jalen Graham D. Winters, uh, is is a is a battle that is definitely happening in camp, but I think it's kind of changed because Demetrius Flanagan Fowles and Marcelino McCurry Ball have been taking Mike linebacker reps. Uh, so I think sometimes we're trying to figure out who is going to be where. Well, I think there's a likelihood that the 49ers linebacker battle is not so much Jalen Graham versus D Winters anymore, uh, but Flanagan Fowles versus McCurry Ball uh, is is kind of where it plays out. I I kind of see. The way that Jalen Graham's been impressing, the way that D Winters has flashed at times, that those two guys are likely going to be on this roster behind Trey Greenlaw, Fred Warner, and Oren Burks. And then the question mark is going to be that sixth linebacker comes down to potentially Curtis Robinson, Flanagan Fowles, and McCurry Ball. Right now, Flanagan Fowles has been the first guy in at Will. He's been the first guy in at Mike. But McCurry Ball is the next guy after that at Will, at Sam, at Mike. So, I think these guys are in a real battle and it's going to come down to who the 49ers feel more comfortable with. I think the 49ers will elect to go with six linebackers, which makes the battle of Jalen Graham and D winners kind of easier. I don't think they want to lose either one of these guys, but the fourth guy that the 49ers have has to have real experience and they have to feel comfortable with him within this defense, which I think makes it tougher for McCurry ball. Even though McCurry ball looks like a brick house, crazy strong, done everything that he needs to do to be in the right category to play for this football team. Flanagan Fowles has experience playing in this defense and playing for Coach Johnny Holland. So 49ers have to decide whether they're going to go with a younger guy and they feel like they have enough experience uh, at the other positions or if they they need to go with another veteran for that first guy in who has an understanding. So Flanagan Fowles versus McCurry Ball has developed through training camp. And I'm, I'm excited to watch it play out. Both these guys have been good in coverage. Both have been playing better against the run. And I think that it's less likely for it to come down to Jalen Moore and D winners. It's still a possibility, but I think it's more likely it comes down to Flanagan fouls and Marcelino McCurry ball. And that the 49ers elect to keep the one that can handle the Mike situation playing Mike linebacker, but has a versatility to play both, uh, both sides as well. And both of them do. And position battle at tight end. I think has gotten a little bit more clear. I think it's through so far through training camp. It's starting to appear. Charlie Warner is going to make this roster with George Kittle. He's been getting all of the second team reps. They feel confident with him. He's still blocking at a high level. He's gotten more open as a receiving threat. And I think we're going to see that battle come down to now, uh, you know, can Willis and law to make sure that one of them outplays Ross Dwelly. I don't think they both have to outplay Ross Dwelly to make the team, but I think one of them has to because 
the 49ers feel that those two guys are not capable as a third tight end, they will have to keep Ross Dwelly, which means they're not keeping five tight ends. They would have to wave one of the young rookies and hope they can get him to the practice squad. Now, they could work out a deal with Dwelly like they did last year with Tyler Croft. They could go ahead and release Ross Dwelly and then go ahead and sign him after they've made some sort of a roster move with one of these young guys. Uh, but I think the likelihood is that one of these guys ends up beating out Ross Dwelly. Charlie Warner, George Kittle are 1-2, and then Willis and Law to be 3-4, with one of them being inactive for most of the games, kind of the role that we saw from Ross Dwelly last year. So I think this, this, this is going to come down to play. Braden Willis has looked further along in his development compared to Cameron Latu. And so right now, I think he's the most likely to win tight end three. But we'll see what happens. Sometimes you get a player out there. Right now, they're doing a lot of thinking. Uh, Cameron Latu talked about the, the fact that things aren't slowing down for him. He, he thinks they're about to start slowing down as far as processing and understanding. When you have so many things you're thinking about, a lot of times you're not playing football. As soon as that happens, the game will get easier. But Latu might need more time. We'll see. Maybe it'll click during preseason, and all of a sudden he'll ascend, and then it'll be a question mark about Charlie Warner. But I would say right now it appears that George Kittle, Charlie Warner are 1-2, and then one of these guys need to beat out Ross Dwelly for that other spot. So lots of position battles that are going to be going on uh, during joint practices, during the preseason. I'm excited about all of them because ultimately it shapes this 49ers 53-man roster and on August 29th when the 49ers go from 90-man roster to 53. They're going to have to make a lot of decisions on how they build this roster. Some of them are going to be tough. Are they going to elect to go with veteran players because you know they're Super Bowl caliber football team? Or are they going to keep some of the young guys because they know that that's important for sustained success? in the NFL. I think it's interesting. I think these battles are interesting, and there's going to be a lot of fun stuff to watch. More content coming your way for sure. 49ers Cutback on Believe. If you like the video, please like like it. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you're listening on audio platforms, give it a five-star rating. I really appreciate it. Appreciate everyone that's been coming through. The continued support has been fantastic. I'll catch you guys on the next one because we got joint practices to talk about and preseason football game on Sunday. Can't wait, but I'll catch you guys all in the next one. Until then, stay safe. Remember the right way is always the 49ers way. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.